Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of In the Huddle, episode 105, our third episode on Can You Dig Sports Radio. My co-host Zach is out, but y'all know what I'm about. I'm about business, and man, do we have a special guest on the show today on this episode. The request line is one 833 bx to get into the show and give your thoughts on everything that we're about to talk about right now. But without further ado, I want to introduce my guest, Mr. Tuan Davenport, ESPN reporter covering the Tennessee Titans. How's it going, my brother? Yeah, man. You know, we woke up this morning, so you know that means it's a big W. Definitely. Breathing, you achieving. Hey, I like that. Definitely. But um, I want to get into the sports world with you. I want to get to a little bit about your career. Let's start off with that. Can you tell our listeners... How long you've been covering the Tennessee Titans and give a little backstory of how you got to this point in your career. Yeah, this is uh, I'm going into my fourth season covering the Tennessee Titans. My story is is quite different. It's not the uh, conventional went to school for journalism and interned for whatever newspaper and got a job. My, my path is different. I, I went to school <laughs> Initially, uh, uh, it was for football, you know, but then, I, you know, things started to click. I, I was a marketing major. Um, I started off at Delaware State and I transferred to Cheney University. I have my marketing degree and I worked out for a few arena teams, uh, the New York Dragons, New Jersey Gladiators. I got some looks from the Canadian Football League, Saskatchewan Rough Riders and Hamilton Tiger Cats. It just didn't work out, you know, and at the end of the day, um, I found myself still wanting to be involved with football. So I did football camps uh, with, with a, uh, a friend of mine. You know, we did camps for NFL guys like Deshaun Jackson, um, Marion Barber, uh, a bunch of guys. And in that process, you know, and talking to them and, and being able to confidently talk shot with them, I said, hey, yo, you know, you need to get paid for this. And around that same time, I saw Bleacher Report got bought from from uh, Time Warner bought them for some like $30 million or something crazy like that. And I'm like, man, if they can make millions, I can. And so I taught myself how to make a website. It's called Press Cover Sports. I showed myself how to how to do that with front page, you know, ran articles on there, focusing on different teams. And one of my articles, uh, Colin Kaepernick's agent got a hold of it and sent it to him and he put it on Facebook and the next thing I know, you know, areas uh, outlets in the Bay Area were, were reaching out to me and just kind of worked through there, got to a credentialed point. Um, I was flying out to San Francisco for games and, and stuff like that and flying to road games and then from there, you know, I said, well, you know, let me get closer to home. Had the option to choose either the Ravens or the Eagles. Uh, I felt the Eagles market, Philadelphia market was too saturated, even though I was right there in that market. So then I I reached out to every outlet in the Baltimore area. One outlet replied, the Baltimore Times, and I was able to cover the Ravens for two years for them, credentialed access, et cetera. And uh, after those two years, the USA Today had reached out to me and they they wanted me to start their Eagles Wire website, which is uh, a part of a a network of sites they have covering each NFL team. Um, I made the things happen that I needed to there, got credentials, and that was 2016. I I wrote a book on Carson Wentz. Um, 
I did another one on, on, on Doug Peterson, uh, the Super Bowl year. And, you know, that that just really, uh, it took off, man. You know, Philadelphia was really good to me. It's my, my home city. And, um, you know, I did some stuff with, with uh, NBC Sports Philly, you know, that helped my TV aspect. I was doing radio work with 94 WIP. So I was really able to expand what it is that I could do. And, you know, ESPN, <laughs> the worldwide leader came calling. You know, I got an email and they're like, hey, you know, Miami or Nashville, would you be interested? And darn right. And, you know, Nashville w- was where I wanted to go. And I went and interviewed and, you know, the process was just that, a process. And it was one that I loved. And now, you know, here I am, man. And, and at this point, it's like, you can't have a bad day you know when you're doing what you love and and just enjoying life you can't have a bad day man so i'm on the no bad days uh subscription definitely and um so the next thing i want to ask you is i hear a lot of people in media in radio and entertainment that say that i feel like i never arrived yet even though they're 25 years plus in the business they still feel like they haven't arrived, like they can achieve more. Do you feel like you have arrived yet, or do you feel like there's still more that you can achieve? Oh, there's absolutely still more. I want to get on the NFL matchup show. I want, I mean, I, I'm striving. I, I'm striving to be Lewis Riddick. You know what I mean? I, I want to be uh, someone that's on the shows, analyzing the game, talking shop. So, no, absolutely not. Uh, I haven't arrived, man. It's, this is just scratching the surface, man. There's so much more to do and so much more elevation. And, and uh, we, we're we working towards that. I want to get right into the juicy part right off the gate. First round knockout. All right, I'm glad that we was able to touch a little surface with your career and everything. But I want to get right to it. The Titans traded for Julio Jones a couple weeks ago. And I predicted that Julio Jones was going to go there because it made the most sense to me. After mm-hmm. losing key offensive talent in John o. Smith, Corey Davis, um, they needed to get Julio Jones. However, I would say this. The Titans made a similar move with Jadavion Clowney, another injury-prone star, you can say, who didn't have much impact on the team. How do you feel like Julio Jones will fit in that offense? Will he be the opposite of Jadavion Clowney? And can we see a similar situation to Randy Moss when he went to New England in 2007 when he had a career revival at the age of 30? Yeah, I, I think the Shadavian Clowney and Julio Jones situation, they're very different. I think I think Clowney, uh, both of these guys have suffered injuries, right? But Clowney, his injury history, they're more severe injuries. And more, he's missed a lot of time throughout his career. So I think it's a bit different. Um, Julio Jones, a lot of his stuff is like soft tissue. Um, and, and seeing him in practice, you could kind of see why uh, he, he comes, uh, you know, he encounters those type of injuries. But I, I think it's going to be different from that situation because also because he's starting now, not like two weeks into training camp. You know what I mean? So that's, the onboarding process is going to be much smoother because it's, it's drawn out over time. Um, like Clowney, he was familiar with the scheme, so that's another bonus. But as far as like how that compares to the Randy Moss situation, it's funny you ask that because I, I had Teddy Bruschi on, on my show 
um, last week and we talked about that. I asked actually that very question and he said when Randy Moss got there, it just kind of like, like it, it changed their whole scheme. Like it allowed them to legitimately go down the field with the best of them as far as what Moss brings. I mean, obviously he, he's the best deep threat in the history of the game, you know, and I, I won't even have a conversation about that. There isn't no one to be had, you know, so that right there just, just, kind of sealed the deal for them but then when I asked uh, Brewski about that he, he said that that Julio Jones going to the Titans is just a perfect complimentary piece because you know the physicality that he plays with and, and Teddy's right I mean if you look at how Julio Jones catches that slant you know somebody goes to tackle him and he runs right through it you know and, and that's the the thing that you know, bringing that physicality not only to the rushing game, but to the passing game, right? And, and you watch, he's very willing to go in and, and dig out safeties. You know, he'll he'll move linebackers if that's what he's asked to do as a slot receiver. So I, I think he does complement the team very well just from that physical aspect. As far as the re- revitalization is concerned, that's a great question. Um, you know, I had someone tell me that Julio Jones, Randy Moss, and Calvin Johnson are the most gifted receivers they've ever seen. And, and this guy that told me that is actually a trainer. He trains Alshon Jeffrey and, and Jadavion Clowney, in fact. So I, I think, you, you know, when you watch him at 32 years old and just seeing him move the way that we're seeing him move at practice and do the things that, that he does, it's a good situation. I don't know if it's going to be a revitalization like, like Moss had with, with the Patriots, but what's good about this is you have a superb and an elite athlete that feels challenged. And we know he feels challenged because when he was on his first uh, presser with us via Zoom, he said that, it, you know, people are talking about his age and 32 isn't old. And he's, he mentioned how people are questioning his, his health. And he had a message for them. And that was stay tuned. So you like to see that kind of, that the wolf show his teeth, if you follow me. And I, I think that's what he was doing in that conversation. So uh, he's definitely uh, motivated and, and, you know, ready to go. And I'm looking forward to watching that. You know what I'm saying, my brother? Great minds think alike. <laughs> so we know what to ask. We know to bring up Randy Moss in 2007. Ladies and gentlemen, don't you go nowhere. Don't you get impatient. Don't you turn that station. We got some more topics with my guy, Tuwan Davenport. Keep it locked to In the Huddle on Can You Dig Sports Radio. Julio Jones at practice. How does he look to you? What are some things that stick out? Yeah, well, what sticks out is just as a big guy, he moves like a little one. And that's something that A.J. Brown, uh, I, I talked to A.J., uh, right after the trade happened. And that's something that he told me he always loved about Julio Jones is the way he is so big, but but how he runs routes like a little guy. You you see that, right? His his movement, yeah. the suddenness, the explosiveness. Um, it was really evident just like with him standing, I'm standing there and he's doing this right in front of me. You're like, wow, this is exactly what he was talking about. So he definitely stood out there. I, I, his stride is, is is something else, man. Like the guy takes two steps and he's about seven yards down the field. And I, I think that's really good. You, you know, he's able to really open up and, and his presence, you feel the physical presence. Um, you watch him run routes and, and, and those type of things. I would like to see him be a little less violent with his cuts and those type of things. And, and, and watching that, that kind of, 
I kind of look at that. And I'm like, hey, you know, it reminds me of Derrick Rose, whereas Derrick Rose was so mm. and, and violent with with his his move and put so much torque on his joints. It, it wore him down, you know, and that's why he was <laughs> frequently injured. So I think Julio Jones has to be careful with that. But yeah, it, it's just he's clearly on another level from all the guys that that we're watching on the field. AJ Brown's not out there yet, so um, I will say that. But yeah, it, it's it's obviously different. And I'm excited, bro. I'm excited to watch the Tennessee Titans offense because you got A.J. Brown on one side, Julio Jones on the other. You still got the monster in the backfield and Derrick Henry. I mean, the offense is going to open up. You, you talk about the short passing game as well. That's going to be a big dynamic because the running game and you got to crowd the box and then obviously the, the short passing game, then it could go over the top. I just think that if you're trying to go up against the likes of Kansas City, the famous line that we hear is you want to keep Patrick Mahomes on the bench. And I think that the Titans have the ability to do that offensively. Now, defensively, I feel like there are some holes on the defensive yeah. side of the ball. What would you say? Have you seen the defense in practice improve? Or do you see certain guys in practice that have improved on the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, well, I'll say up front, you know, you can't really make much of up front because these guys are in, you know, shoulder – Shirts and shorts, right, and, and helmets. So they're not, they don't have their pads on. So the physicality aspect, you know, where you, you don't really see that much. But I, I guarantee you the addition of Bud Dupree and Danico Autry is going to – it's going to benefit everybody. I, I definitely know that. Um, I'll, I'll also add this. Uh, the second level of their defense will be improved. Uh, Jayon Brown, in my opinion, has been the most consistent – defender for the Titans since 2018 and my time there. Um, I will tell you another thing. Go back and watch the final game of the 2018 season. Jayon Brown literally took over that game against the Colts and almost single-handedly willed them to a win. But they had Blaine Gabbert at quarterback. And <laughs> you're not going to win too many games, especially uh, high-pressure ones against uh, an offense led by Andrew Luck. You're not going to win too many games, uh, you know, with Gabbert as your QB. But uh, he almost got them there. Um, he's back, right? He was out for a good five or six games last year. So he's back. You're going to have Rashawn Evans in the second year uh, of the scheme. And Evans is really one of those um, diagnose and destroy type of guys. But when you have those type of players, you have to um, – you know, they have to diagnose it quickly and be able to process quickly. And sometimes it's tough for those guys to do it when they're in year one of a scheme. And, and this happened to uh, Evans from 2018, 2019. And, you know, last year he was in the first year with Shane Bowen and those guys. And uh, I, I think he's going to be different. And then you look at the secondary. Uh, Kevin Byard had an uncharacteristically off year. Uh, he, he's someone that I, I, I see him a little more spry out there. He's going to get to line up a little more in, in single high, which is what he specializes in. Then you got Amani Hooker moving into a starting role. He actually led the team with four interceptions last year. That's going to be a big, a big addition. Um, but the biggest, in my opinion, in the secondary, and this is a secondary that gave up 36 touchdowns last year, second worst in the NFL, Janoris, or they call him Jackrabbit Jenkins. And, you know, from, from being in NY, I'm sure you're familiar with him, you know, with the, yeah. the Giants. And he's, you know, how, how we, we say guys have that dog in them. And he, he has, he definitely has it. Uh, watching him compete every rep in practice is, is refreshing, you know, especially for a veteran guy that's established. 
but he's the one you go cat coverage, right? You know, hey, look, man, that's your cat. I don't care where he goes, you go with him. And he's capable of doing that. And I, I think he is actually going to energize that secondary. And I think they're going to be in good shape. I mean, this is just in the summer, right? They haven't even started training camp, so I'm not going to get ahead of myself. But I think there is uh, definitely room for improvement. And uh, there's uh, signs of that improvement coming. One of the other things I like is Kevin Byard, you know, talking to him, he admitted that they need to be more aggressive. They have to challenge receivers more. And that's something last year, they didn't do that, right? It's third and short. They're lining up seven, eight yards off the ball. Receivers are getting a free release. The timing of the passing game is just like clockwork There's because there's no disruption, right? And that doesn't allow the guys up front to get home. But then when you get up in that receiver's face and you, you jam them, you cause some chatter at the line of scrimmage, the, the quarterback's going to go from to his, that read to his next read. You know, he's going to come off of that. And that means he has to hold the ball a little bit longer. Guess what that does? Allows the guys up front a little bit more time to get home. So I, I think it all goes hand in hand. And, I mean, the, the guys up front aren't, you know, excused either. You know, they only had 19 sacks last year. That's the third worst ever by a team that ended up making the playoffs. So there's room for improvement there. When they have the quarterback dead to rights, they got to bring him down. Too many times you, you saw sacks being escaped from and, and those type of things. And, you know, quarterbacks able to, to sit back there in the pocket and just wait for the receivers to get open. It, there, there was too much. It was a mess on the front end and back end, and they, they need to fix that. Definitely. So let's move on here. What are some guys, some rookies, that are surprising you in camp? Yeah, I, I tell you, Racy McMath, he was a seventh-round pick. Um, out of LSU, stuff behind that triumphant <laughs> group of receivers, you know, Chase, Jefferson, uh, all those guys, man. He was, um, what's my man's name? The other one, um, uh, slips my mind. Uh, there was another receiver that was really good uh, out of there as well, but um, he was stuck behind them. And I, I didn't realize that he was as, as agile as he is. You know, I, I just only pictured him as a guy that was like a straight line runner, very raw. But uh, he, he's had a good couple of days. Um, he definitely has surprised me. Uh, Monty Rice has been impressive. The linebacker out, out of Georgia that they drafted in the third round. Uh, he had an interception the other day. I love the way he moves. He's very fluent and smooth with his drops. So those are a couple of rookies that surprised me. Um, Caleb Farley hasn't practiced yet. Uh, I did catch a glimpse of him just kind of getting his little workout on with, with the head trainer. Um, Elijah Molden is in the mix. I, I think he's going to have the, the most impact as far as like right away um, as a nickel corner. Um, Rashad Weaver, he did impress me, not just from, from his play, but just I didn't realize he was that long and lean. I always envisioned him, you know, and watching number 17 at, uh, on Pittsburgh, I always envisioned him being like a, a, a shorter, more stocky guy. But he actually, you know, is, is lean. And, and I didn't really uh, – I didn't pick up on that, you know, on film and even seeing him at the Senior Bowl. So those are some guys. Uh, Des Fitzpatrick is interesting. Uh, with, with Julio Jones coming, his role has kind of got pushed back. But it's good for him because it will allow him to just come along at, at his pace rather than being pressed to duty. It's an interesting time, especially – 
with COVID and everything that's going on in the NFL as far as restrictions for unvaccinated players, I want to get into that a little bit. What do you think about the situation with vaccinated and unvaccinated players? We see guys like Sam Donald who are vaccine, vaccine hesitant. Cole Beasley came out recently and criticized the NFLPA over COVID restrictions for unvaccinated players. I think it's a bunch of garbage myself, me personally, but, you know, my thoughts are irrelevant. I want to know your thoughts on how these restrictions can affect players who don't have a job secured because it's one thing for Sam Donald to be hesitant. He's going to be employed regardless. But what about rookies? What about guys that are fighting to be on a roster spot? How can they be affected by being unvaccinated? Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. You know, my coach in college, one of them, one of my head coaches used to say, you know, I tolerate you till I can replace you. And that's really how it is, right? You mentioned Sam Darnold and how him saying that the he has an issue with vaccines is a lot different from, you know, player X who was an undrafted free agent. You can get cut for that. So it, it, it is crazy, just the dynamic, the range. But I understand what the league is doing. I'm not going to say I fully agree with it, but at the same time, you have to look at it. I mean, last year, I mean, I was in the middle of it, you, you know, the Titans had the outbreak and it was just, it was crazy for the league. Like the league had to do so many different things. You got a football game going on on a Tuesday, you know, and it's just, it's, <laughs> it's just, it's strange, you, you know, how this um, disease, this virus has really just, it, it has changed so much with just the regular everyday order of operations that we go about. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm really impartial to it. I think it, it's something that should actually come down to each person's personal decision. But as you're making that personal decision, you have to understand that the decision, although it's your own personal one, it impacts so many other people. So it's just it, it, if you do choose not to be vaccinated, I think it's really strong for you to go through as many procedures and, and, and protocols to Stay safe. Uh, I think that's that's really what it comes down to. And you, before I let you go, I want to play one game to close out the show. This is something that we're going to do going forward when we have guests on the show. It's called the end the huddle game. It's basically a one word answer for any question that comes up. So just one word. Okay. So let's start off right now, right off the bat. Describe Derrick Henry as an object. <laughs> uh, Alien. <laughs> cool, that's a good one. True or false, the Titans will win the AFC South. True. Ryan Tannehill will throw for blank many yards this upcoming season. 4,200. Blank amount of players will be a victim of Derrick Henry's stiff arm this upcoming season. Are you saying like a total, like a Josh Norman style highlight? Or yeah, just, yep. Uh, I'll say three. All right, there you go. There you go. The end of huddle game, one word answers right there. That's what I'm talking about. Tuan Davenport, I want to thank you for coming on the show and spending your time over here on this platform. It was greatly appreciated. For sure, man. This is what we do. Definitely. Have a good one. Yeah.